And on front page with me this morning is uh, Ahmad Suhail, Ahmad Adnan, journalist with the News Desk at Berita Harian and Zurairi AR, Assistant News Editor at Malay Mail. Good morning, gentlemen. Hi, good morning. Good morning. I think this is the Ramadan edition of Front Page. <laughs> okay, yeah, now, try to sound more lively. Yes. Okay. Well, the government wants to make it mandatory for consumers to send certain unwanted electrical and electronic items to places licensed to handle e-waste. The proposed change in the law aims to reduce harm to the environment and public health when such waste is not disposed of properly. So um, they're talking about the extended producer responsibility system, which has been a applied in other countries and basically under the system is shared responsibilities where manufacturers and importers must pay a recycling fee upon um, the putting their stuff there on the market. Okay, so I'm just curious, um, currently how does one dispose of e-waste properly? Currently in Malaysia, there's no specific uh, regulation for disposable of household e-waste. What we have is only for the industry's e-waste. They have uh, collectors and they have collection points that are licensed by the OE, Department mm-hmm. of Environment. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing, there's no household e-waste because right now maybe it used to be this e-waste is not that much disposed but right. uh, currently electronic devices you know is a mass cons- can- consumption mm-hmm. and it also means that mass consumption means that mass disposable yeah, yeah, mass yeah. Disposal. exactly when we're talking about TVs like refrigerators yeah. washing machines I've got one washing machine that I'm about ready to throw out so this is <laughs> this is great information your thoughts Zurairi yeah uh, at the moment right uh, we do not have like a specific system we don't have a structure so the way it goes, right, I mean, if you have uh, any e-waste, you go, uh, you know, sometimes you go to the recycling centers, uh, sometimes you, when you go shopping at the shopping malls, you can see like those bins where you can put like old phones or batteries in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's all up to all these small, small groups mm-hmm. um, that are collecting for their own benefit. So we have uh, NGOs as well that, that, that are doing it. But we don't have like a, like a uniform system governing everything. Uh, and especially as well as mentioned, when it comes to household waste, because I think that's probably the more uh, concerning. Like you said, I mean, if, if you have a fridge, right, and you're buying a new one, where are they going to put it? I know. But <laughs> usually if you are buying from a big company or whatever, sometimes they, they you give them an extra 50 bucks and they'll yes, cart yes, off correct. your old fridge, but you don't yeah. know where it's going to end up, right? Exactly, exactly. How long before we start to see some enforcement of this new law if it does come into being? Well, I think because it's, it's not exactly a new thing. I mean, the, the government has uh, been discussing this uh, thing for the past four to five years or so. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. Hmm. It's just, but it's just, you know, things are a bit slow. I mean, e-waste is not exactly... I the mean, pressing environment, concern. Yeah. Environment is not as yeah. the, <laughs> the, the previous regime. But uh, hopefully with the new minister, you know, we have the gung-ho European right now. So mm-hmm. perhaps uh, we may we see this uh, at least stable very soon enough. All, right. All right, wonderful. When we come back, we'll take a look at a common currency for East Asia based on gold. Is this going to happen? And would it be a good idea for our currency to be based on gold. We've got that next here on Light.
On front page with me is Ahmad Suhail Adnan, journalist with the news desk at Berita Harian, and Zurairi AR, assistant news editor at Malay Mail. Now, Malaysia is proposing a new currency based on gold as it is more stable as opposed to the current currency trading, which is manipulative, says Prime Minister to Dr. Mahathir Muhammad. He said by using the precious metal, it could be used to evaluate the exports and import activities among the East Asian countries. And uh, he says we can make settlement using that new currency. The currency must relate to the local currency as the exchange rate. And that is something that can be related to the performance of that company. Do you think this is a good idea? Here's the thing. Having a common currency by itself is a good idea. I mean, as it is, we already share currencies uh, in border areas. Even if you go to like uh, Vietnam, right? If you go to the market, I mean, you can sometimes use ringgit because they know so many Malaysians come to Ho Chi Minh just to buy, you know, a textile and so on. But I think not exactly the problem, but the issue with Dr. Mahdi's um, suggestion is that it's actually twofold. One is having a common currency uh, and another one is uh, pegging it to gold. But Dr. Mahdi seems to, you know, taking it halfway. I mean, he, he, he does not exactly want a common currency in all transactions uh, in uh, East Asia. He just wants a common currency when it comes to import and export. But each country will still have its own currency. But on top of that, having another currency just for import and exports or for trade and that currency will be packed to gold. So, I don't know, it's, uh, for me, it seems like there's layers <laughs> to think about it. Right. So, Your thoughts, uh, Sohail? Well, basically, common currency is, in theory, it is good because it has greater transparency in prices because the currency don't simply change because of certain news or manipulation, something like that. But there are uncertainty about it because uh, the world used to have this kind of uh, currency, uh, the gold currency. Mm-hmm. But yep. eventually, after World War, I think uh, people lack confidence in gold. Right. And then they turn to the way current system. Uh. Right. So there are probability that if you do this, it, it might change back to what it is. Okay, like um, there may be a world what depression yeah, if if, like it, if it comes to that, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, because this has always been a big debate, right? I mean, uh, among economists. I mean, by if I'm sure just by talking about this, Doctor Mahdi has probably sparked a new debate whether using fiat money or you know gold standard. Mm-hmm. I think the problem why we switched, I mean, why the world switched out of a gold standard in the first place because with the with the advancement of modern economy by you know, because by using fiat money you can just not make Played. I mean, you can change your monetary policy, right? And with that, you can handle your internal economy. So when you have gold standard, I think you have just have to find another way to, to manage the problem. And I think, I, I'm sure I want to know how Bain Nagara feels about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we all do. Well, coming up, Tundaim Zainuddin, our former finance minister, says something that just can be said. It's common sense to cut out the middleman. Um, we'll take a look at that headline next here on Light. Today with me on front page is Zurairi AR, assistant news editor at Malay Mail, and Ahmad Suhail Adnan, journalist with Berita Harian. Strict enforcement, cutting out middleman, can lower retail prices, Daim says. Uh, he believes this is a cure to the high prices of goods in today's markets faced by the average Malaysian consumer. Um, the advisor to Tun said research showed the retail prices of goods can be lowered if there was sufficient willpower to deal with the two biggest factors, which is the middleman and enforcement.
it seems like, well, duh. I mean, why? <laughs> common <laughs> sense, right? Why haven't we done this already, uh, Zuhairi? <laughs> well, actually, we have. I mean, uh, the agri- agriculture uh, ministry, I mean, even in the previous uh, government, right, they had this program called Jihad Memerangi Orang Tengah. You know, <laughs> like Jihad against... Jihad. Right? <laughs> you know, it's like a crusade, you know. Mm-hmm. And what, what it means is basically, if I'm not mistaken, is it pharma or probably they, they are the ones that are handling the uh, distribution issue. You know, because th- there is a reason why we have middlemen in the first place because mm-hmm. logistics to, to get from the producers to the co- uh, to the consumers, I mean... Uh, it, sometimes it's, it's not, easier, it's not, yeah. Yeah, of course. It's not that easy. I mean, you can get bulk. Sometimes you need more than just one consumer to coordinate. So mm-hmm. I, I think uh, the, the solution is probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, I think just earlier this year, our new agriculture minister, uh, Salihuddin, has said that they are thinking of now licensing mid, uh, middlemen so they regulate on and monitor so mm. you know, to, to manage this profit-making among the middlemen. All right. Your thoughts, Sohail? To, to settle this problem, you have to understand why it exists, exists at the first place, you know. Usually, this middleman is the logistic people, mm-hmm. they, you know. They exist because they are needed. So, in order for us to... to put them out we need to settle this government need to settle this logistical issues yeah, yeah logistical issues because whether you like it or not for the fishermen they, they need someone to send it to the shop or, yeah, and then shop to the consumers yes this is not easy yeah. but it is possible but if I think for the minister's uh, suggestion on licensing the middleman I think that is a good way but it's not the right way to reduce the price, right? Because what? they are still exist in right. the in the, in the, in the what, chain. In your opinion, um, would be the right way to reduce prices. The right way is to be able to settle the logistic issues. Mm. That that is the real reason why middleman is needed. Because according to the uh, minister that suggests this licensing for the middleman, he says that by regulating. It means we can control how much they can sell, how much, uh, something like that. Right. Or, uh, or you can control the market. Can, la. Yeah. All right. Okay. When we come back, uh, we will take a look at this headline. The HR Ministry has advised SOXO to extend self-employment schemes to informal sector workers. That headline is up next here on Light. On front page with me this morning is Ahmad Suhail Adnan, journalist at the news desk, Brita Harian, and Zurairi AR, assistant news editor at Malay Mail Online. The Human Resources Ministry is recommending that the Social Security Organization, SOXO, extend the self-employment scheme, SPS, to include farmers, fishermen, hawkers and artists. Its minister, M. Kulasegren, said the proposal was to ensure that apart from those who are employed, workers in the informal business sector would also receive protection in the event of an accident or untoward incident. How would this work since most informal workers don't have payslips? Do you have any idea, um, Sohail? I think maybe they can do this through income tax, which means the government needs to make sure that these informal sector workers like uh, the farmers, fishermen, hawkers and artists that he mentioned declare their annual income. Mm-hmm. Then from that, uh, the government can monitor their flow of income. Yeah. But it is very important to first categorize which farmers or which fishermen that need to be involved in this scheme because you know this kind of work is not the the, the rich job you know so you want to take money from them we must ensure that this doesn't burden them you know right. maybe uh, what you want to do is maybe it's a good thing but if it eventually burden them i think that is we it's better not, not do that they want to sign up for yeah. right <laughs> uh, your thoughts zurairi 
Well, I think the biggest problem is that because these workers usually they don't have a fixed income. Mm. Uh, this is compared to you know the first phase where they made it mandatory for taxi drivers, which is perhaps slightly more stable than uh, farmers. Uh, because uh, they, they actually, uh, I went to a website yesterday, so there is actually a schedule on how much you have to pay com- um, based on how much you are earning. And basically, it just works like uh, normal insurance. You put in cash every month or every year according to how much you earn. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it, you have the same problem with insurance. I mean, how do you convince uh, someone to take pay something for their own benefit when they sometimes need that money now rather than later? So, right. And because the way the act works currently is that if you don't register, you are going to get penalized. Mm-hmm. First, how are you going to enforce it? And second, is it fair to penalize those who are already uh, earning low uh, with such a high amount, even though you know it is for their own benefit. Right. Socks aside, EPF deductions, should this also apply to informal workers uh, such as uh, those stated in this category? Yeah, it's, uh, it's the same principle, basically. Mm. It's self-contribution. So, <laughs> for, for, for <laughs> most people, that's not exactly at the top of their mind. But, yes. You know, of course, when it comes to investing for your future, it is important but, yeah, not everyone thinks the same way, right? Right. So, uh, personally, I think EPF is much more better than SOCSO because EPF is your own saving. Yes. You can use that money. SOCSO, if you don't have accidents or things like that, yeah. you wouldn't get that money. And mm. especially, you need uh, to understand, for example, like the fishermen, like Zurairi says, they don't have income that yeah, are... Steady. Like, yeah, steady income. So, uh, for example, like in monsoon season, mm-hmm. which they might not even get income at all. Right. So what about how, how about that? Okay, well, uh, I think uh, M. Kulasegra needs to think a little bit deeper on this <laughs> issue. <laughs> well, coming up, uh, we'll take a look at the uh, sexual abuse case that has been reported lately and how NGOs feel that uh, we need to protect these children first. Uh, that's coming up next here on Light. On front page with me this morning is Ahmad Suhail Atnan, journalist with Brita Harian and Zurairi AR, assistant news editor at Malay Mail. Put children first. A group's urge following news report on sexual abuse. The public must prioritize children's welfare when it comes to alleged cases of sexual abuse. Several rights groups have commented. Following a case originally revealed by English Daily, the Star Women's Aid Organization pointed out that the identities of the children involved must be protected since any breach of privacy can negatively affect them. Of course, you know, in the recent week, we've read way too much information about this specific case, and there have been concerns for the children's welfare. What can be done to protect the identities and welfare of victims moving forward? Sohail? I think if we really want to protect the children, then the documents related to this kind of cases should be made confidential, you know, put it under OSA. It may be uh, like a really long stretch to go, but I think this kind of issues can only be discussed in court. Mm-hmm. And even you, you have to make it a, a close session. The media can only cover for the uh, reading of the cases and uh, the result of it, but not the trial itself. Yes. Because to if you really want to protect the children... You wouldn't put all this graphic information in it. Yeah, uh, you, you can't do that. Yeah. I mean, it has... You can identify impact. who they are. I mean, yes. uh, your thoughts, Zurairi? Well, this is really a complex matter. At least uh, it is an eye-opener. Uh, it serves as a reminder for me and I think a lot of practitioners in the industry on how sometimes we 
tend to lapse when it comes to children because the way the culture that we have right now we are, we are not there yet when it comes to reporting on children for example mm-hmm. we still uh, sometimes uh, put photos of children without consent sometimes you know especially when it comes to this sort of story though i mean yeah. i think most of us have probably have been guilty of it one one time or another so yeah. it's probably a bit presumptuous to accuse others but i think it's important when it comes to stories regarding children i think for us to at least you know take a step back and see whether yeah. this would affect the, the children negatively in, in any way yeah but Sometimes we have to juggle, you know, which is more important, the story or the yeah. welfare of the public. Well, that's I the thing. A, I mean, I think it's a very fine line, and I mean, we make that judgment call every day as journalists. I mean, do we get these stories out, or do we care about hurting someone, especially even worse when it comes to children? Yeah. So yeah, it's a judgment call, lah. <laughs> yeah, it is because as journalists, I mean, there is that fine line between breaking news and gutter press. How do we not overstep into the whole gutter press thing? Well, for <laughs> so me, first of all. As a journalist, when you get these kind of stories, you ask yourself first, what do you want from exposing these stories? You want a personal glory? Forget about it. Because you are gambling with other people's lives. Yes. And I'm talking about the children, not mm. the predators, you know. I'm a father of a, of a one-year-old daughter, you mm. know. If my, I don't want to say this, but if my daughter becomes the victim, as far as I want the, the predators to be charged and whatever, but yeah. I still want to protect the futures of my, my, my child, you yeah. know. I don't want people go to school one day and hey, this is the one that you uh, know, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean it's that's uh, too much for her. It is. I mean, it was just way too graphic what was reported, and uh, it was shocking, really. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this morning on <laughs> front page and uh, Selamat Berpuasa. I guess I won't thank see you, you so much. next week. So Selamat <laughs> Hari Raya, guys. Oh, yeah. Hari Raya, <laughs> Yes, indeed. Zurairi AR, Assistant News Editor from Malay Mail, and Ahmad Sohel Atnan, journalist at Berita Harian.